Good evening, everybody. Welcome to a very special edition of Big Blue Avenue. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside my co-host, Hank and Dictor, and Sam Cardona. Hank, Sam, how are we doing tonight? Sam, I actually want to start with you. You have some very exciting news to share with our fans. I do, and I'm very excited to tell everyone that on Tuesday night, um, I got engaged to my nine-year-long boyfriend, um, and I'm very excited about it. And apparently, I'm, these guys found out while they were live on a show via Tom's girlfriend, <laughs> which is very funny to me. I was going to like wait and like tell you guys like myself, but it, uh, it got ahead of me. So yeah, which is it's very exciting news. Oh, thank Congratulations, you. Congratulations, Sam. Uh, thank you. Awesome news. Hank, how are you doing tonight? Uh, that might be a tough one to top, but. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm not even going to try to top that. I'm doing pretty good. And, hey, one thing we can all be happy about, 7-2. and two, I mean, hey, does everyone remember the win total that I had for the Giants before the season? Pretty sure you had seven games. Yeah. You guys were both correct. It was seven. Yeah. Look at that. Now, if they lost every single game, not then you're being... <laughs> Thank you, Ben. Appreciate it. Says, congrats. Uh, quickly here, folks, reminder to check us out on all of our social media. You can see scrolling across our ticker below. And this episode is presented by BetUS. You can sign up with our promo code below there at join125 if you like sports betting. Um, so... Giants beating the Houston Texans 24 to 16, improving to seven and two on the season. And my gosh, I was very happy about this game. Sam, what was your key takeaway from this game? Um, I would say that, first of all, this was a great game, and I'm happy that we won. I was a little nervous because I was like, I didn't know how this was going to end up, but our defense is immaculate. I am so thrilled with the way that this played out because I mean I was kind of comparing this game to how they played against the Eagles um on that Thursday night game and like the Texans gave the at the time undefeated Eagles a run for their money and I feel like in this game we were very in control and you know it's it seems like the score might not show that in one way or another but our defense really held it down and that's just that was my big key takeaway yeah, I agree. Before we get to Hank here, I mean, Micah McFadden and Jalen Smith, the new starting inside linebackers, flourished. Dane yeah. Belton, first career interception, stepping in for Xavier McKinney, flourished. Um, really outstanding performance, Hank. Uh, what was your key takeaway? My key takeaway was this was the Giants' first game in a situation where we pretty much expect them to win. And while I don't want to say that they passed with flying colors. I think the more important important part was they got the win. They're now seven and two. And you know what? Beyond that, they also had some lucky breaks go their way in terms of division rivals losing. But back to the game for a second. Yeah, I would agree. I think the Giants were pretty much in control for the most part. I mean, other than some self-inflicted mistakes that kind of put kept the Texans in the game. There was never really a doubt in my mind that the Giants were going to win. And I think once Darius Slayton caught that big touchdown, you pretty much yeah. felt confident the rest of the way. And 
I have a feeling he's going to keep having some big games and he's going to have a big role down the stretch too. He's really starting to trend back towards his 2019 form, which is great to see. Um, We also heard this week that Saquon would like to be a giant for life. That's awesome to hear. Um, Fabian Moreau and Adoree Jackson had outstanding games, and the Giants are only the second team in NFL history to win seven-plus games in in nine games and one receiver or fewer with 200-plus receiving yards. Um, Hank, I think you put that there. Yes, I did. Um, I saw that on Twitter actually not long ago. I mean, that's just just incredible in itself with – you look at what Daniel Jones did in this game, four incompletions. Two of them were drops by Kenny Galladay. If I'm Joe Shane, I saved the $6.7 million this offseason and cut him. After the season's done, cut Kenny Galladay. I'm sorry. Um, I know the holidays are coming, but it's not going to be a good one for Galladay. You know what? It's not the Galladays, though. So, okay. Right. <laughs> I was waiting for that pun. <laughs> Shout out Yo Elvis for tuning into the stream. Um 27-24 Giants. I'm assuming you're making your prediction for the Lions game, which we'll get into in just a moment. And, folks, um, before we get into that, I want to remind you all, if you want to comment throughout the live stream tonight, you're more than happy. But we already had one major announcement. Oh, yeah. Our second major announcement is this. Former New York Giants safety and Super Bowl champion Antoine Bethay will be joining the show tonight at 7.30 p.m. Eastern to talk New York football giants with us a little bit on his career. He'll be joined by his producer, Tone Gordon, who is, happens to be a Detroit Lions fan, so this all works out perfectly, but we're pumped, we're fired up, and that's part of the reason why we got to rip through this recap. So, Sam, take it away. Who is our Week 10 New York Giants Player of the Week? Our Week 10 Giants player of the week is Sexy Dexy. Dexter Lawrence is our our (laughs) player of the week this week. So Dexter Lawrence has already has five sacks this season, which is not only a career high, but is a team high as well. Um, In week 10, he had five tackles, one sack, one tackle for loss, one pass deflected, and one quarterback quarterback hurry and nine pressures and nine pressures is was the most by a player over 320 pounds in the pff era since 2006 which is a really cool really cool information there uh drew a holding penalty that voided a touchdown pass from mills to cooks um in 2022 he has 33 tackles four tackles for loss um five sacks one forced fumble Two pass deflected and 16 quarterback hurries and 92 PFF grade, fourth highest defensive player in the NFL, a 91.1 PFF defense grade, the second among uh, inside defensive linemen, a 78.7 PFF run defense grade, which is sixth, and a 91.6 PFF pass grade, second among inside defensive linemen. So obviously Dexter Lawrence helped us win this game. And like I said earlier, this defense was spectacular, not only in this game, but this entire year. So he is our player of the week. It just seems like Brian Dable gets the most out of all his players. You know, I hear a lot of Giants fans making excuses why Daniel Jones is playing this well. But if you're going to say that about him, you should say the same thing about Dexter Lawrence. You should say the same thing about Julian Love, right? How well has Dexter Lawrence played this year? He's played like a top two, three defensive tackle in the league. Outside of Aaron Donald, 
I, Aaron Donald, I struggle to come up with a defensive tackle that's playing better than him right now. Hank, I don't know about you. I can't think of anybody. Yeah, no. Not even Dalvin Tomlinson, who we all adored. <laughs> I know. I love Dalvin Tomlinson. I d- it definitely sucked to see him go. And I, the only other one I could think of, maybe Micah Parsons, but it's, real, it's really slim pickings at this point. And, Sam, you mentioned something important about his weight. Um, yes. He's fierce, fierce pass rusher. Um, very excited um, to see his development. And also Leonard Williams getting healthy too. But as we dive into our week 11 transactions here, folks, um, Henry Mundu signed off the practice squad to the 53-man roster. I thought he had a decent game. Um, Rodarius Williams activated off injured reserve. Devery Hamilton was waived and eventually got re-signed to the practice squad. Justin Lane was waived and claimed by Andy Hopper's Chicago Bears. Uh, Will Holden was terminated from the practice squad and the Giants signed veteran defensive lineman Vernon Butler to their practice squad. And I want to talk about this guy. He's a former Buffalo Bill. He's also a former Carolina Panther. He was a first round draft pick back in 2016, many moons ago, uh, had 11 tackles on 11 games for the Bills last year. So now the Giants have one open spot on their 53-man roster. And, hey, I also want to shout out Alex Bachmans for signing with the Houston Texans. Good for him. Really good for him. Yeah, he was, he was, the team. Yeah, he was one of the players who were, I guess you could say, was a survivor from that thin receiver core we had back in 2020. Good for him that he got picked up. But, yeah, it would have been nice to see him try to – have an impact on this Giants team, but I guess it wasn't meant to be. It really wasn't, um, but I'm happy for him. Speaking of which, we just played the Houston Texans. Any final thoughts on this Houston Texans game? I thought they controlled the ball well. Time of possession was great. Daniel Jones looked solid, and they pretty much ran Saquon into the ground. This is the game plan that we all expected, no? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he had a career high of carries in this game. Um, 30 something over 32 carries. I know for sure. Um, so I mean, Saquon looked fantastic. And like you said earlier, Tom, it's exciting that he wants to stay on this team. And I just want to mention that we're technically, we have a better record than the Buffalo bills right now, which is very, very, very impressive. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall this game was great. And like I said, we controlled it the entire time. There was never a time throughout this game that I was like, Ooh, maybe, maybe like I felt very confident throughout the entire game. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. But speaking of which let's move on to week 11, where we are playing the Detroit lions lions lead the all time series 24, 21 to one. Uh, the Lions have won the last two meetings in 2017 and 2019. And former Giants tight end Dan Campbell is now the head coach for the Detroit Lions. And Sam, I think, I forget, Sam or Hank, one of you mentioned this, but Brian Dable knows Dan Campbell pretty yeah, well. It was me. Uh, yeah, I sent that that graphic in the in the chat just because it was amazing. Just Also, Dan Campbell just seems like a, a crazy guy in a good way like he seems very dedicated to his team but he's very energetic so um in an interview apparently brian dable um was getting interviewed uh, or he was interviewing him um and he uh 
Dan Campbell was just running around, smacking walls, throwing chairs, like being just a psychotic person. <laughs> and Brian Dable said it was a very, quote unquote, entertaining interview, <laughs> which is just very funny to picture the scene. Yeah, uh, I'm very happy for Dan Campbell, but um, I won't be too happy if they come away with a victory yeah. this week. Uh, Detroit's coming off a crazy come-from-behind win over the Chicago Bears, 31-30 to at Soldier Field. That was their first road win of the season and their second win in a row after starting off 1-6. and six. Granted, in that 1-6, and six, um, I'm sorry, in that game against Miami where they fell to 1-6, and six, they were in that game up until the very end. So that needs to be noticed, and it's because of Jared Goff and that offense. They continue to score points in bunches, Hank. Uh, 236 passing yards. Jared Goff, a 116 QB rating. Jamal Williams had a touchdown. Amon Ross, St. Brown, I don't know who the hell is going to guard this guy for the Giants this week. Ten catches for 119 yards. Um, the rookie D end, Aiden Hutchinson, eight tackles and a sack. Uh, Julian Aquara had two sacks for Detroit. Jeff Okuda also had the pick six in that game. He's a good young corner. Lions were five for 11 on third down in that game, and they were outrushed by the Bears 258 to 95. Lions giving up over seven yards a run. They have the second worst run defense in the NFL. So I expect to see the Giants use a similar strategy that they've been using the last couple of weeks. But here's what concerns me about the Lions, guys. Only two penalties and no turnovers. The Lions are like... I feel like their record does not indicate how good of a team they actually are. Like I, I early in the season on my own personal YouTube channel predicted that the Lions were going to be second overall in this division behind the Packers. And like that just, I mean, it's gone up in flames since then, but the, the Lions really, I mean, we saw them in the beginning of the season. They were putting up 30, 35, 40, 45 points a game. Like they know how to get things on the board. And it just so happens that their defense is just really terrible at not doing that for the other team. So they say, you know, I'm a little worried about the Lions. And like I said, they're they're very good at putting points on the board. Absolutely. And comment here from Larry Johnson. What's up, y'all? Unfortunately, I got y'all winning by a touchdown this weekend. Shake my head. Larry, the Cowboys fan. Um, hey, I'm happy. I'm real happy that his Cowboys lost this weekend. Oh, that was no that. spectacular. The Eagles lost, the Cowboys lost. It was wonderful. Yeah. Larry, former defensive back at the University of New Haven. Larry, if you're watching, we're having a former NFL safety come on the show in about 15 minutes. And Antoine Bethet, 20th all-time leading tackler in NFL history. So you're going to want to catch that for sure. Lions are like us, always in close games, but we find ways to win. Except the other way around. Except that was us last year. Now yeah, we're yeah. actually winning the games. Yeah, no, I was going to say the Lions definitely had some games where I thought they should have won. I thought, Tom, you're probably going to not like that I'm saying this, but I thought they should have beaten the Vikings in that <laughs> game. But unfortunately, that was kind of a that kind of resulted in a bad <laughs> decision from Dan Campbell. But you know, that's something to discuss for another day. I still think he's pretty much has that team playing as hard as they can week in and week out. I do wish though, he would do a little bit better on his in-game management, but hopefully that's not the case this week. Just wanted to let, let us be clear right there. 
I agree wholeheartedly with that. But let's get to our keys to the game here. Um, Sam, what's your first key to the game for the Lions, uh, for the Giants, in order to beat the Detroit Lions? I mean, this will also tie into my player to watch for this week, um, stopping the run because, I mean, I know people have been talking about DeAndre Swift, DeAndre Swift, DeAndre Swift, but Jamal Williams is so good. Like, he is very, very good, and he gets into the end zone and gets points on the board. So definitely making sure to stop the run. And I'll just reiterate this. The the, the offensive line has been protecting Jones in such a good, good way. Like, he, he only had three sacks, uh, I think, this past game, and, and he was able to get the ball down the field. So I won't say that's – I mean, it is a key to the game, but they've been listening to us, so they've been doing a good job with that. Hank, how about you? Uh, yeah, I think that, um, one of my, uh, big keys to the game, I would have to say is to, um, definitely pressure Goff because look, make no mistake. I think he's definitely doing a little bit better under Dan Campbell, but that's another guy that if you put a lot of pressure on him, and this is something that I saw when he was with the LA Rams, he's not going to have a great game. Yeah, I think pressuring Jared Goff is definitely key. Only pressured on 21% of his snaps last week. Um, Giants' pass defense is really good. They've given up on their 60% completion percentage to opposing QBs this year. 20 sacks with a 45.5 blitz percentage. Uh, Dexter Lawrence and Big Cat have combined for 54 pressures, and the Giants' defense is tied for the league lead in 10 fumble recoveries. So I definitely agree with pressuring Goff. We got to Davis Mills last week, and we saw what happened. Sam's point to stopping the run. I mean, Taylor Decker, Jonah Jackson, Frank Ragnow, and Panay Suell, those are all rock-solid offensive linemen. Uh, Leo and Dexter will be busy. Giants have given up five and a half yards for carry to running backs this season. But for me, it's um, run first. You know, Lions struggle against the run. Um, I think, and a lot of people don't get this when it comes to the Giants offense this year. They say that they're playing to Daniel Jones' strengths that's incorrect they're playing to the entire offensive strengths the offensive line is much better at run blocking than it is pass blocking um which is why you don't see daniel jones dropping back 30 to 40 times i personally think jones would be throwing the ball a lot more if he had better pass protection offensive linemen if evan neal was fully healthy if we had shane lemieux back or if we had a 2019 kenny galladay again but we don't have that. So for me, run right at Ali McNeil. Run right at Isaiah Boggs. I don't know if you want to test Jeff Akuda too much. He has five passes defended and an interception. Um, Andy Hopper's guy, safety Kirby Joseph out of Illinois, two picks on the season. Um, I think if the Giants could control the time of possession, win this football game, Giants are ranked fourth in TOP in the entire NFL. Keep Goff off the field. I mean, we know what that offense could do. They've scored 30 points in four games this season, 30 points or more that is, tied for most in the league. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we were emphasizing how dangerous their offense is. Their defense is the polar opposite, guys. They've given up 24 or more in eight of the nine games that they've played. Yeah. It's astonishing. It really yeah. is. It, it is. And that that's what I was mentioning before, just the fact that the offense will put points on the board, but if you can – basically jump on the fact that the defense is really not that great. You can hundred percent put just as many points on the board. Absolutely. Um, Noah Dibler stopping in saying can't stay for long fellas, but had to drop in 
for at least a sec. The pride of Savannah, Georgia. You know, I knew he was going to say that. <laughs> um, Antoine Buffet is from Savannah, Georgia. Fun fact. Of course. Of course. Noah always finds a way to bring it back to Georgia. See, maybe I planned that in my <laughs> Um, him, he, he loves his Georgia Bulldogs. He loves his Falcons, although yeah. he probably is very disgruntled about them. But yep. he also, of course, loves his Atlanta Braves. So, yep, it's true. Let's get to our players to watch. By the way, we are blowing through the script here. Um, Sam, give me a player or two to watch from each team and why. So, like I said earlier with stopping the run, Jamal Williams is definitely someone I'm going to be keeping my eye on. And this is going to be, I feel like, a very run-heavy game in general on both sides of the ball. But Jamal Williams is someone who has stepped up big, big, big time for the Lions. And he is just huge red zone, um, you know, a guy that he could just make his way right through, just get right in there, get six points up on the board. Um 604 rushing yards, nine touchdowns, uh, 67.1 yards per gain. Like, he's just an incredible person. So I think that Jamal Williams is definitely one. And the other one I'm going to say for us, for the Giants, is going to be Darius Slayton, who, like, killed the game last week. Like, he did great. And I feel like he's finally coming into that that wide receiver one role that we mentioned weeks ago about him having to fill in. And I think that he's doing a really good job. I mean, he had that incredible catch in the first quarter, like right over the middle. He had that amazing touchdown. I'm just, I'm really excited to see what else Sarah Slayton can do, especially against this weak defense. Absolutely. Hank, how about you? I am going to have to go with Aiden Hutchinson, who was their pick in the NFL draft and, Hey, I mean, that was a good, that was a good story. You know, you picked a local guy star from Michigan and so far he's doing pretty well. He's got 28 tackles, five and a half sacks on the season, four of those tackles for a loss, and then even an interception to boot. So I think the Giants offensive line will probably have their hands full in defending him. So I'm going to definitely go with him, but for the New York Giants, I think my player of the week or player to watch rather Actually, it is the player of the week. Let's go with Sexy Dexy. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. Uh, Dexter Lawrence leads the team in sacks. Really good. Um, Stuffing the run. Um, I like Sam's pick with Darius Slayton, too. Five big plays. I think Andrew Thomas is going to be key going blocking against Aiden Hutchinson. I think that'll be very important for us. Um, just nine total pressures all season. Still no sacks through nine games. It's incredible. That's not the life of an NFL tackle. He's not living that life. He's living like beyond that. Um, Daniel Jones for me, though, that's my player. Um, 153 QBR last week, career high. He leads the NFL. He has the longest active streak of passes without an interception. 145 to be exact. He has not thrown an interception since week three, which if we all remember that David Sills fell on his route against Dallas. Right. So I'll tell you, he's been a real gem this year. Uh, The touchdown passes are starting to come. Ladies and gentlemen, Yeah. Uh, two touchdown passes last week. Right. I thought he looked great. And just the four incompletions, two of them were drops from Kenny Galladay. 
So if you take those away, he only throws two incomplete passes. And also, I want to bring this up. Joe Judge actually backed up Daniel Jones after he got fired by the Giants. This news just came out yesterday saying that he had a lot of the nice things to say about the guy. He said he's a leader, and he, he, he got screwed by the coaching staff and the organization. And Joe Judge owes the Giants nothing. He owes the Giants nothing. And the fact that he came out and said this I thought was very mature of him because an ex-coach could easily bash the organization. He could have bashed John, John Mara, Steve Tisch, but he didn't. I think it speaks volumes about – and, again, I'm not going to sit here and mention Joe Judge. You know, I haven't mentioned him at all this year really, but, I mean, I thought it was very nice of him to say. For sure. Um, yeah, and um, this doesn't surprise me because I think Joe Judge knew all along that Daniel Jones wasn't really given a fair shake. And, you know, like we, like I said, did Joe Judge do a poor job in his two years with the Giants? Yes, but did the Giants screw him over and not give him the luxuries that they gave to Brian Dable? Both can be true. Both right. can be true. For me, for Detroit um, – I think the the biggest problem for me, obviously Aiden Hutchinson, but Amon Ross St. Brown, um, eighth wide receiver ranked in PFF. Uh, but their best next weapon is Josh Reynolds. They did trade away TJ Hawkinson. Um, for me, it's a combination between Goff and Brown because Goff has 20 plus, has 42 plays of 20 plus yards this season, fourth most in the league. Um, I think you got to throw DeAndre Swift in there as well. He's getting healthier. There's still a lot of players. Alex Anzalone leads mm-hmm. them in tackles, 72 tackles on the year. Um, Kirby Joseph, too, Andy's guy. There's a lot of guys. But I'm going to say this. If I steal a player from the Lions, it's Frank Ragnow. It is 100% Frank Ragnow, and here's why. Um, not just because he has an epic beard like uh, one of our guests backstage right now, um, <laughs> Ragnow, 26 years old, one of the best centers in football, and he's still ascending. Fourth-rated center in PFF. He's a better run blocker than pass blocker, but I think he would be an upgrade over John Feliciano in both areas because this is nothing against Feliciano. He's a guard who converted to center. Right. Feliciano's natural position is guard, and Ragnow was named an all-pro in 2020. So that's my guy. I would, I would have to pick Anzalone. Honestly, I was thinking about, you know, an offensive guy, but I really like Alex Anzalone and I know our defense is really strong as it is, but having him in the middle linebacker position, I feel like would make us really great. Oh yeah, definitely. How about uh Kirby Jones, 38 tackles, two picks, another good guy to watch out for on the Detroit Lions, I would say. I agree. Those are all good picks for sure. Um, I'm very excited to talk about that. And uh, let's bring up our first Tony. Are you ready backstage? Give me a thumbs up if you are. Hey, here he is. Tone Godin. Uh, Tone Gordon. Apologies. How's it going? Lions super fan. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good, man. Hopefully you guys are enjoying your night. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> We're having a lot of fun. We're really excited. Uh, to have you on and uh, Antoine as well. Yeah, um, I just shot him another email, so he should be good. So, I guess we'll get into the uh, <laughs> first question with you, talking about these Detroit Lions. Definitely. Um, 
Sam, we'll start with you here, actually. I mm-hmm. think you have the first question for Tone. Yes. Sorry, I was shuffling my papers. Um, so, <laughs> hi, Tone. How are you? How's it going? Um, so, I think one of the major things, obviously, surrounding a team is always the quarterback. And you guys obviously just got Jared Goff fairly recently. Um, how are you feeling about him so far this season? You know, is it, you know, up, down, left, right? Like, what are your feelings about him? Um, so it's, it's interesting cause it's, uh, I don't, he's the first time in a long time cause we loved Matt Stafford so much. Like we yeah. were all ride or die Stafford fans. I don't love or hate the quarterback. It's like an odd pairing. Like I'm like, like he's good, but he's also like not great. He's, I don't really ever feel like he's going to win us a game. I can, I do feel like he can lose us a game. Yeah. Um, I know he's thrown an interception in like 66% of our games. Um, in the games he hasn't thrown interceptions, we're two and one. So if that tells you, you know, the, the poor mistakes that he's making. But, I mean, 15 touchdowns, seven interceptions this year. Um, I think almost like 2,500 yards, close, pretty close to that. So he's getting, you know, stats in and he's moving the team. Uh, it's just whether or not he's going to lose us the game, but I don't really feel like he's going to win us the game. So the upside's not really ever there. It seems like, so I don't love that, but you know, coming from where we were at with Stafford, you know, where it was like, everything was chaotic. It doesn't ever feel like that at the back. It feels like we're out of the game early or we're, we're in it late, but like we have a chance. So I don't, I guess if I had to rate it on like a 10 scale, it'd be like a five. It's like, I don't love it. Don't hate it. (laughs) That's fair. Absolutely. It's very fair. Yeah, it's a fair answer. It doesn't feel sure. good, though. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. I um, believe we have Antoine backstage. Uh, we will bring him up. Just a couple comments quickly here. Um, Garth, Mike says, going to go watch Bills versus Browns in Detroit. Yeah. In Ford Field. Um, good evening, gentlemen. What a night to talk some football. And – Without further ado, we're going to introduce our guest for the evening who played in the NFL from 2016 to 2019 with the Indianapolis Colts, San Francisco 49ers, Arizona Cardinals, and New York Giants. He's also a Super Bowl champion as a rookie for the Colts, three-time Pro Bowler, Antoine Bethay. Antoine, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. How you doing? How you doing, man? Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, Tone, what's good? <laughs> what's, up? What's, up, what's up, baby? How's it going? Good. First one to ask, how do you guys meet? The oh. internet. The magic of the yeah, internet, right? Oh, <laughs> the crazy world. Twitter. Twitter, to be exact, yeah. Um, uh, so uh, the guys started the man-to-man pod. They, I think they were episode three or four. Uh, they were looking for clips or someone to do clips. And uh, – Someone shot it my way, and I uh, shot it out. Actually, AB is the one who uh, who got in touch with me, and then uh, kind of felt like a good fit uh, in a roundabout way. I saw I'm a Michigan kid, uh, military brat, though. Uh, my family settled in uh, Virginia Beach, which is in the 757. And if you know anything about Antoine, Antoine is a, the pride of the 757. Uh, <laughs> so we had a we had a little bit of a bond there, and then it's just kind of rolled ever since. And the roles expanded and producing and editing and social media and all the fun stuff. And it just grows and grows. So awesome. Um, that That's awesome that you guys met that way. And Antoine, thank you so much for joining Sam, Hank, and myself, all big Giants fans. Um, we definitely uh, love to have you on here. 
Can you plug your man-to-man podcast with Darius Butler and how that got started? Yeah, for sure. Um, like you said, now, man, I think what this is going on next year, what, next March or April, might, what's it, year four? Yeah. Wow. Year four. Yeah, year four. Um, myself, Darius Butler, um, former teammates. Um, we started it during um, the pandemic. You know, we had everything. Everybody had extra time on the hand during that time. So we started that. Um, and really, um, as the title says, you know, uh, the name of the show, Man to Man. You know, obviously both playing the, uh, the defensive back position uh, while we played and, you know, a lot of man to man coverage. But then off outside of that, I'm off the field. Um, just speak on man to man topics as fathers, as black men in this world. Um, and just current, you know, current current topics, current issues that's going on in the world. So, you know, we, we're live Monday and Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern. Um, you can catch us. And, again, we do a Saturday pick show where we pick, you know, um, who we think will win Sunday's matchup. So it's been a good time, man. And, and thank you to Tone for, for tapping in with us, man, and, and making our show what it is. <laughs> yeah, it's all it's all it's always fun. I'll, I'll tell you what, it's been it's been a blast uh, learning the sport as a super fan, like of the sport, learning even another level of it from just casual conversations. Me and me and AB had a, a ten minute chat after the show today off air that you know I, I learned something from football wise every time. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah, definitely. And um, Antoine, can you talk about your experience getting to the NFL? You played for what fourteen years. Take us through that. It's very long career, Super Bowl, and those Pro Bowls. Yeah, man. Um, it was a journey, man. Um, it's one of them, you know, one of them things that I still to this day, you know, I got to pinch myself to, you know, really say like, man, I was able to do that. You know, coming from Howard University, um, it's a HBCU. It's one of those small schools. I uh, got drafted um, the sixth round. 207th pick to the Indianapolis Colts, man. And um, during that time, you know, the Colts were rolling, you know, Peyton, uh, Marvin Harrison, Coach Dungy, man. So for me as a young player, man, going into that building, it was, it was an eye opener. Um, Looking at all those future Hall of Famers um, and just looking at how it was supposed to get done and how, how lucky I was to be able to walk into a winning culture a lot of times, you know, young players, you know, you walk into a building where the culture isn't there and you got to have to find your way through as you navigate through the through the NFL. And sometimes, as we all know, NFL stands for not for long. So a lot of times you, you, you're not able or you're not lucky enough to be able to find yourself in an organization that does it the right way on all parts. But for me, man, I was I was lucky to be able to get in an organization like that. I played there my first eight years in the league. Um, won a Super Bowl, lost a Super Bowl, um, two Pro Bowls. And again, man, the coaches that I had, Coach Dungy, Coach Caldwell, um, you know, Chuck Pagano, you know, those guys were um, great guys, great coaches, but just wonderful human beings. You know what I mean? So besides the football aspect, we was able to come to work and, you know, we were able to look at men that could lead you um, off the field as well, man. So again, man, was able to start um for eight years for the Indianapolis Colts man and you know it didn't end the way 
that I that I that I would hope, you know, I envision me playing there much longer. But the business is the business. Um, and, you know, I went out to went out to the Bay, went out to San Fran, man, played three years out there. I was able to get another um, Pro Bowl out there. But again, you know, had a great time out there, you know, uh, just the locker room and just meet new guys and being in a different setting. Um, the Bay Area, totally different than Midwest. Um, Indianapolis, man. So it was it was a great time. It was a great time and just um, experienced different things. And, you know, from there, uh, two years in Arizona and then my last year in New York. So my time in my time in the league was 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 exciting. You know, I would say my first eight years in Indy made the playoffs seven out of those eight. My first seven years made the playoffs. And then after that, never seen the playoffs again, man. So it kind of gives you the two tells. Of what the NFL is like, man. But again, man, 14 years, I'm blessed, lucky, and um, and, and, and enjoyed every moment of it. Absolutely, that's really awesome. And what I'd really like to know is, all of us, you know, we've never seen an NFL, you know, been on an NFL field as a player before. You know, what as a former NFL safety, before the snap goes off, what is it like to kind of like survey the field? Like, what kind of things do you look for? And you know, as a player, how is it different than watching as a fan? Oh man, sure. We could be on here for an hour just. To- <laughs> um, but I'm gonna give you a quick, a quick synopsis, right? So typically, you um, you have your safety. We're kind of in charge as far as the personnel, um, that the other team is in, right? So right. it could be twelve personnel. Well, it's like it's one running back and two tight ends, or it could be eleven personnel where it's one running back and one tight end. So that's kind of the first thing, right? So I'm looking on the sideline or I'm looking in their huddle, seeing who's coming in and off the field, or I'm looking to my sideline because we'll have somebody dedicated to sh- telling us what that personnel is. So I'm yelling that in the huddle. Hey, it's 12 personnel, 12 personnel, right? So throughout the week, 12 personnel, um, and we're giving it down a distance, right? So all of these, all of these alerts should be telling you something, right? So it's 12 personnel, it's second and long, or it's third and five, right? So that should be telling everybody in the huddle something, right? So it should <clears throat> situational football. So now the safety, I'm looking at the huddle and they break the huddle. All right, it's a quarterback in shotgun, right? So if it's if it's, if the quarterback is in shotgun, that's going to take away the play action. So this is just things that's going in my mind, right? So okay, um, it's a two by one set, two by two set. Okay, during the week, like what do they like to do um, out of a two by two set, right? Um, where are these receivers lined up at, right? Is the tight end off the ball? Um, if the back is offset one side, is the tight end on the same side as the back or is he on the opposite side? So these are the things that's kind of going in your mind. It's like, okay, well, what have I seen on film? What have I seen in practice that can give me a uh, a tip or a, um, you know, a, a, a tip of what the play is going to be? But then also we have to figure out on the defensive side of the ball, um we have checks so if it starts off in a two by two and they can motion over into a three by one set where it's three receivers on one side and one receiver on another side i could be telling the back seven hey we need to be getting to another call and then all in itself everything could change they might like to do something different in a three by one set so now that's even before the ball is snapped so all of those (laughs) mental gymnastics are going on in your in your in your in your mind and again, communication. We got to make sure everybody on the defensive side is on the same page. Making sure if we do check it to a different call, 
that everybody's on the same page. And a lot of times that comes from your safety. Um, your linebacker, he will get up there and he will set the front where this side is the strength or the weakness. Um, and he'll kind of c- control the, the, the big boys. But then on the back end, the safeties are kind of controlling the back seven. So we got to make sure everybody's on the same page. And then the ball is snapped. So now the ball is snapped. Now you're trying to look at, you're trying to read, read the route, the, the route concepts. Um, so you can go out there and make them play. So again, man, it's a lot of mental gymnastics um, before the snap and post snap. And you got to do that typically an average of, I would say, 50 to 60 times a game. So that's kind of what, you know, a, a, a safety is kind of looking at um, during the game time. That's awesome. And obviously, I, I imagine a lot goes into, you know, being that last line of defense at times as well. Um, we have a quick comment here from Brian saying, shout out to Coach Dungy. Lots of respect for the man down here in Tampa Bay. Um Kelly Duncan says, loved watching you play, Antoine. Um, Appreciate that. Antoine, my question for you, um, you know, as a Giants fan, in 2019, where you played with Big Blue, you were named the captain and started all 16 games, led the team in tackles. Can you talk about your experience with the Giants um, and what that was like playing for them? Um. First off, man, my brother, I got an older brother. He's a huge Giants fan, right? So it made his day when I signed with the Giants, right? But um, but that year was tough, man. That year was tough for me. Um, you know, obviously coming to the Giants and coach uh, the defensive coordinator, James Betcher, man, I had a, a a long relationship with him. Um, he was on the coaching staff in Indy, um, in Arizona as well. So coming in, you know, knowing the defense, but that year was a, a long year. You know, we, we, we weren't playing well as a team. Um, you know, uh, I, I really – I don't think I played my best ball either. Um, and, you know, I knew for myself, you know, it was either that year or the following year that it was probably going to be my last year. But I would say, man, it was – I had a great time with the guys. The guys, the locker room was great. But, again, you know, you know we're going and we're playing the game to get wins and losses. So, um didn't get many wins, man. So it was a, it was a tough year, you know. Obviously, going to coming to a historic uh, franchise, the front office was great. Again, like I said, the locker room was great. Guys were great, but when you're not getting a lot of wins, and you know, when you were a vet, like I said, it was my 14th year. Um, it was a it was a long year for me, but you know, I enjoyed my time in Jersey, and you know, going into the city as well. But as far as football, man, it was a it was a tough year. Yeah, and let's talk about some of your uh, former teammates. Obviously, we know still remaining from that team are Dexter Lawrence, who has been absolutely outstanding this year, Leonard Williams, and Julian Love, who, I, who I've also really become impressed with. As a former safety, can you talk about how Love's game has grown and developed since his rookie year in 2019 all the way up until now? Yeah, man. Uh, 2019, when he was a rookie, you can tell he had he had what it took to um to become one of those top safeties in the league, you know, mm-hmm. just for instincts on the ball, being a playmaker, just in practice, punching the ball out. So you can tell he was a playmaker and he he understood the game. And um and playing that safety position, it's about, you know, getting those reps. I think just football in general is about getting the reps. You know, the more reps you get, the more comfortable you are in your um, you know, in your in doing your job. And he's been doing that. You know, obviously he has that C on his chest now, um a captain. Um, and he's out there making plays. You know, he's, he's, you know, a ball hawk making plays on the ball. And one thing we like about Julian is that you can put him 
on different places on your defense. You can play him close to the line. You can play him in the post, and he has coverage skills. So um, his game is going to continue to evolve the more that he plays. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see see his growth. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, we love Julian Love on this show. We're a big fan yeah. of him, and and yeah. he's really been impressing us this year. Day three pick. Cool. Um, day three picks, you guys. <laughs> Um, so what I'd love to know is, you know, uh, obviously you've played for many different teams, but Giants in particular, what do you feel like you're expecting from this current Giants team now that we're in the second half of the season? Like, do you, do you have this momentum of going up still, or do you think that they're going to start to decline? Man, um, the way they, the way they are playing, I feel like it is conducive to them to be successful Mm -hmm. later part of this year, because again, talk about all the time on our show, like, for you to be successful in November and December, you got to be good in the trenches and you got to be able to run the ball. Right. And I think that's, they've been doing that pretty well, you know, up front on the defensive side and offensive side, they've, they've, they've been pretty good. And then Saquon is like Saquon of old, you know what I mean? He, he, he's the running attack is, is there. So that's a good formula to have success. Um, again, though, you know, you got to go out there and you got to play ball. So if they can continue to do the things that they've been doing first half of the season and just grow on that, I think they have a good shot. And then obviously Philly losing, um, you know, they, they're, you know, they're sitting in the driver's seat. All they got to do is control what they can control. And that's go out there and play good ball and get wins. Absolutely. Um, we have a fan question here for you, Antoine. Um, okay. This is uh, this might be a little – Interesting one. What would you pick as your favorite play of your career? This was asked by a fellow Georgia native. <laughs> uh, my favorite, man. Um, I would say, man, my only pick six. My only pick six in um, in San Fran against um, Philip Rivers. That was my one and only pick six. So I would that's one of the plays that, that sticks out for me personally. Awesome. And we have another question here from Kelly. Who is the most interesting teammate you've ever had? Interesting. Like that one. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, <laughs> interesting teammate. What's my guy's name? Um You good with history, Tone. He went to Ole Miss, played D-line. He had a twin brother. Um, um, what team did you play with? Yeah, younger brother. He played with Ole Miss. Uh, what team did you play on with him? Uh, Arizona. Arizona. Uh, I'm drawing a blank, too. I'm going to Google um, it real quick. I'll help you out. <laughs> Cardinals. You were there yeah. for a couple of years. D-line. Right? Yeah, he played D-line. I'm just having I'm, – it's going to come to me. This is um, – We do have a couple more uh, if you guys – Oh, yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's, it's, it's a tough last name, isn't it? It's like yeah. in, in uh, Dockway. Yeah. Dockway, yeah, no. something, something like that. Robert – Robert Kambichi. Yeah. yeah, that's – Robert Kambichi. I would say he was the most interesting teammate that I've had. Awesome. Um, another question here. This one's coming from Garth from Florida. 
AB, did you get to know Mike Hart during your time in Indy? He's a small-town Western New York guy who was there behind Edger and James at running back for the Colts. Yeah, yeah. Me and Mike, we played um, we played on the team together. Um, Edgerin was gone at that time when Mike got there. Um, it was Joseph Adai who was there, but not Mike Hart. Um, Western NY legend, a Michigan Wolverine legend. Um, so yeah, Mike Hart, man, we was, he did his thing when he came down to the coast. That's awesome. And, uh, one more here before we get to, uh, um, a couple questions for you, Tone. Don't worry, Tone. We've got, we got, plenty of, <laughs> we didn't uh, forget about you. For you as well. No, of course not. <laughs> Mr. Uh, Detroit Lions there. Um, another one from Garth. Who is the toughest quarterback you played against in your career? Maybe a guy who was really good pre-snap making adjustments or maybe disguising where he threw the ball. I would say um, Tom Brady. Mm. You know, a lot of good quarterbacks, you know what I mean? But Tom Brady, um, a vet, um, it's not too much that he hasn't seen as a quarterback. So it was really tough to really fool him. You know, obviously, you know, you could get him once or twice, but for the most part, he was going to know where the defense was going to be at. He was going to be able to, you know, get his guys in the right um, situation um, and, you know, threw good balls, man. So I would say, you know, TB12 was was one of them quarterbacks. Fun, fun fact, A.B. is one of eight guys tied for the lead for most interceptions against Tom Brady. Just to, oh. I know he won't brag on himself. But. Wow. <laughs> Another fun fact. <laughs> he is 20th on the all-time NFL tackles list in NFL history. I think uh, – Get, get, get him in the Hall of Fame. I'm not, I'm not going to look at my notes. I'm thinking the number. 1,334. Oh, close. Is that right? Or is it, is it off? You went off. 1,333. Ah, oh, okay. So close. close I, so I believe the actual uh, – Actually, AB, I believe the NFL actual count gives you uh, thirteen thirty-four. So oh yeah, so I'll take it. Take yeah. an extra one. <laughs> I'll, well, I'll tell you what: if we're playing by uh, prices right rules, I think Tom gets the extra five hundred dollars. Sam, back to you. All right, let's let's talk a little bit about the Lions, Tone. Let's get into it. Um, so obviously DeAndre Swift was someone that you guys were really relying on, but Jamal Williams has stepped up to the plate big time. Like I'm, I'm actually a real big fan of him. I love watching him play. I love watching him speak. Honestly, he's <laughs> wonderful. Um, if DeAndre Swift starts to get healthy and make his way back into the field, do you want Jamal Williams to still take a primary role or would you rather have Swift come back? Give me, give me, uh, Jamal Williams all day. I'm still salty. DeAndre Swift losses a game his first first time ever. Dropped a ball in the end zone. Would have been a win for us, but he dropped one. I'm still salty on that. But um, I think Jamal Williams gives you a little bit more. Uh, he's got four games this year, I think, of two touchdowns. each. So four two-touchdown games. Um, he's a game changer. Um, he can catch the ball, too, if he has to out of the back. He's explosive. He, and he's on pace for, like, 1,200 yards already. So, yeah. I mean, we don't typically have a good running game in Detroit. It's been – since Barry's gone, it's been a little hit or miss. Um, I'd be actually be interested in hearing AB kind of like break down like the difference between those two running backs, totally. having seen them a little bit and how, because that would be your role sort of as a safety, right? AB to kind of cover up a little bit of the running back. Yeah, no, for sure. Definitely. Um, like you said, man, the Detroit's run game is has improved drastically this year. So 
they are going to see like eight in the box sometimes. So that would be my role as a safety coming down. Um, but like to your point, man, Jamal Williams, man, he he runs behind his pass. And and not to say um Swift doesn't, but um I just like the tenacity that Jamal that he runs with, you know, a lot of times just falling forward. And that's what you like to see um in your backs, especially when it gets to that third and fourth quarter. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Hank, we'll go to you here next. Um, yeah, no. So um, I think the one guy on the Lions that really scares me, at least if we're talking about on the offensive side in the ball, and to be honest, I'd probably consider stealing him if given the option. That would be Amon Ross St. Brown. How are opposing defenses going to be able to stop that guy? I mean, I feel like – I don't. I, I honestly don't know. I, he's so, he's so good, um, and uh, he's just so consistent when he's in there too. Like when he's not injured, he's just like he's a he's a bulldog. Like he's getting the ball, he's making plays. Um, this one, I'm really for sure gonna defer to AB on since that's your expertise. Uh, so how do you stop? If you were if you were the safety this this week for the Giants, how are how are you attacking that? I mean. He's the type of player that you roll roll your coverage to, right? Where um, wherever he is, you make sure, you know, you have four eyes on him at all times because, like you said, Tony is a playmaker. Like, he's a, a guy that can change the game. So, if I was a defensive coordinator, it's one of those things like, you know, wherever he is, this is where we're going to focus our coverage um, to. So, um, you know, you could do that multiple ways on third down. You know, you could bring a safety in the box and you can double as far as like a robber. Um, so it's a, it's a lot of different ways where you can kind of disguise it, where you're not giving him the same looks to make him have to see different coverages as he's getting into his routes and obviously, you know, disguising some things for the for the quarterback as well. But to your point, Tony, he is a dog, man. He is a playmaker. So you definitely want to have multiple eyes on him to, you know, I don't know if you can stop him, but at least limit his touches. Slow him down. Yeah, slow him down. Adori will have his hands full for sure. But, um, just toning in, Twan, again, this is a question to both of you. Um, with Hawkinson, um, Hawkinson gone, obviously, he was the complimentary piece. Who else on the offense needs to step up in this passing game for Detroit outside of St. Brown? Who's that next guy that you're looking at on this roster? Like, hey, you know, he really has to make some plays because obviously we know um, outside of him they're somewhat, I wouldn't say limited, but the options aren't as wealthy as some other teams in the, are across the NFL. They have a, they have a guy. So interestingly enough, um, he's got three plus receptions in each of the last six games. He's got five, I think in two of those. So, um, but he stepped up, uh, Caliph, uh, Raymond, sorry, wrote it down. Cause I was going to, I was going to say Reynolds. I knew it, but, um, Caleb Raymond, uh, he's the guy I think that needs to take the next step to be a second dairy piece to say Brown, I think. Um, He's done. He's done a pretty good job. Three hundred two yards this year. Like I said, uh, three plus catches in each of the last uh, six games. He's really come on um, these last couple of weeks. So I think he's the guy that probably has to take up the that work that uh, that Hawkinson's dropped off. I'm a, um I'm gonna go to a whole a totally different position. I'm gonna say golf, man. I'm gonna, I think Jared Golf has to do some things to be able to get people into the into the into that into that role you know find somebody that he's confident with um who can pick up some of that slack 
So I'm gonna definitely I'm gonna I'm gonna leave my hat and say Jared Goff. I love uh, you know Tom Tom mentioned T.J. Hawkinson before. Uh, obviously, that's very fresh, very new to not have him on your team. How did how, what was your reaction to that? Like, I, like I was I was baffled that they sent him to the, the Vikings of all teams. I don't like right. it. I don't, <laughs> especially for what we got for him. Not really a great. I mean, I think I think we got a second and third pick, and I think we gave him in the conditional fourth or something like that. Mm-hmm. Didn't really feel like what you get for like a guy that. A, a pro bow caliber tight end. I mean, like, especially sending him in division to, I mean, hopefully, you know, the Vikings are playing good. So if we're not going to win it this year, if they go get it cool, but yeah. um, I liked Hawkinson. I thought he played really well. I, I, I didn't see the point in getting rid of him unless he somehow internalized internal was like, Hey, I'm not resigning here or something like that. Then I guess maybe you got to get what you can get for him, but not, not pumped to see him go, especially after, you know, the history of seeing, fan you know favorites leave and Hogginson was I mean you know Barry left for early retired Calvin you know it's just kind of Stafford left and won a title so not not fun but you know uh, what can you do right I guess like it's worked out we've won two games since he's been gone so <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean what makes it worse for me though is the fact that you drafted him so high and then to trade him like two years later like or three years later rather it, it's it's pretty bad yeah. And and some of this is I actually wonder. This is this will be a callback to uh, to man to man episode we had. We had uh, Eric Ebron on. I don't know why I can't say his name tonight. Uh, and he he said basically the structure of the Lions when he came in. He was so young that like there was no structure. There's no veteran leadership basically there to like kind of like you know structure people along to build it up. And uh, maybe that's the, that's what we had here. And. I don't know. Like it's it sucks because we have dropped we have dropped some very high picks on tight ends and they haven't really panned out. So it's a it's a little rough. Yeah, um, Antoine. Anything you wanted to add on that about the Hawkinson trade? Do, 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 were were you surprised by that at all? Do you think Detroit got like a fair return, or what was your thoughts? I don't. I don't think we'll know until you know those draft picks. You know, they have those draft picks and we can look back and say, hey, this is what we got in the Hawkinson trade. But initially, I definitely was surprised. Um, but most surprising was him going to Minnesota, you know, in you know, in the division. So um that was that was surprising. But hey, you know, the business of, of the NFL is ugly, man. It's ugly. <laughs> uh my friend from work, Larry Johnson. Um not the Chiefs running back. My my friend Larry says, <laughs> "Great podcast for a bunch of Giants fans." LOL. Y'all have a good one. Um, well, I know at least three of us are. I'm not going to speak for the the two on the bottom here, but I, I know Tone is a Lions fan. I'll just say that. But um, <laughs> thank you, Larry, for the comment. Um, Larry played defensive back at the University of New Haven as well. So a former okay. collegiate defensive back like you, Antoine. So okay. Um, Shout out, Larry. Yeah. <laughs> Larry is a cool guy. Um, next question, Tone, putting you on the spot here. What's the biggest strength you've seen out of Aiden Hutchinson this year, and where does he still need to learn? So it'll be the it'll be the thing. The strength will be the thing that like, um, and I'm going to reference uh, 
uh, AB here. Uh, whenever I pull film and just have watching the sport, uh, my wife's a giant Colts fan, so um, I watched a lot of AB. Um, AB was always around the ball, always around the play. That's, the, I think, the biggest strength for Aiden Hutchinson right now. He's always near the play. He's always near the play, making the play. The play he made in the Packers game, obviously, he's near the ball. He makes that play. You know, he falls into a sack. You know, he seems to always be around the play. Um, and vice versa, the biggest weakness is I think sometimes he erratically is doing so, <laughs> like not in control. Um, sometimes he's like, just a little bit takes a little bit too much time to get near the play. Um, so it's like, it's a double-edged sword for that, but I would, I will take the plays where he's making them. Um, if he can figure out a way, I guess, to harness that. And I don't know if that's a, something you can do. I think that maybe that's just a playing style, but um, sometimes it seems it's a little bit, he's like, Oh, it's going to be a run. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, go where I think I'm going to go. And he's out of position, but he seems to make himself back into the play just with his athleticism. So maybe, maybe uh, more pre-snap or something like that, I would guess. Yeah. So I think if we're talking about the Lions, I think the next guy I got to talk about is someone that Tom and I are definitely big fans of just because, I mean, after all, I guess you could call him a Giants legend. I mean, he was our tight end during that 2000. 2000- Super Bowl run. But obviously, I am, of course, talking about the wild and crazy man, Dan Campbell. And I personally enjoyed watching him on Hard Knocks this past season. He was, he seems like a guy you just would love to run through a brick wall through and like have fun for. And like, and it seems like they're playing very competitive football for him. However, in my honest opinion, I've also seen a lot of moments where he's made some very horrible in-game decisions and I think the Vikings game is a big example because I don't think I would have kicked that field goal with 50 plus yards when I would have when I could have either punted it and given the Vikings a long drive or just like gone for it anyways just to try to clean up the game clock but that's that's neither here nor there (laughs) Um, my question for you is do you feel that Dan Campbell has gotten a good amount out of the squad and do you see him being there as the head coach for a, for long term, I think he's gotten a good amount out of the guys who are willing to be Dan Campbell type of guys. I guess I should I should say. I think he has a certain style. I think he wants to come in and kind of play the way he wants to play with aggressiveness and and all that kind of stuff. And I think the guys that bought in, I think, have succeeded with him um, in a in in a small scale. I think there's still a lot of like continual success that needs to happen. Um, but there's been little flashes of it working. Um, so uh, from that, I think he's, I think he has, I don't know that it's turned into results yet. Um, and whether or not it will, that's kind of the, the big question. And, uh, that's kind of the big question of whether or not it'll be the long-term head coach. Um, for me, and I know we've had this conversation on the, on the man to man pod, a successful season, I think is, a, is probably like, some eight wins. I don't know that that's realistic this year. Um, and then being playoff contenders next year. Like, I think that's gotta be, or drafting a quarterback or picking up a new quarterback once golf's contracts over and making a continual progression towards being playoff contenders. 
AB says anything less than playoffs is is not a good season though. So, <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah. So, no, it's, so it's it's tough. It, it's tough though. But yeah, I mean, I, I think I think uh, the other thing AB does say though all the time is you got to give coaches time. And I think for him, I think he should at least have through next season uh, without even having to worry about it and then reevaluate then. But uh, I I think uh, if he get if he gets you know five, six wins here this year and, and you're looking at being a potential playoff contender next year or close, you know, just outside, then I think you, you re-up him and you let him continue to build. The, the worst thing we did was was get rid of Caldwell. I mean, he was he was our best coach. We should have kept him. I mean, I think we got too used to having some successful seasons and we then we had a, like a little drop back and we were like, nope, can't do that. And then we've been terrible ever since. So I think you got to give him time. I mean, I think you kind of answered what I was going to ask, which was, you know, realistically, how long do you think until the the Lions really pull it together and become playoff <laughs> contenders? Like, do you think it'll happen by next year? Uh, I, realistically, I don't know. To be honest with, like, if I was at, if I was like putting money down, I whether or not the Lions will make the playoffs next year, I think there's a lot of off season things that need to happen. I think Jared yeah. Goff is a good piece, but I don't think he's the guy. I think we need to get, so I guess that's where it goes is like, if you draft a guy high, then you got to give that guy a little bit of space to like grow into the role. Um, but if you bring in like a, I don't know, like a, a decent vet that's like got some skills, then I think you're, you're ready. Like kind of like the Colts are doing right now. Like, you know, you bring in some, you should be in the playoffs every year. You bring in a guy who's shown he can succeed at quarterback and, yeah. Like that's so it's two different, two different avenues, I think. Um, but either way, I mean, if, if Dan Campbell has us looking going up, I think you, you kind of let him run that, that next two, three years of a rookie quarterback or whatnot and, and see where it leads you. How do you feel about that? AB as a, as a player, like <laughs> how would you feel if you were year six, seven, eight on that, like trajectory? I mean, like, I think that's how the funny, like it's just a funny space to be in because again, you do have to give a coach time to, you know, to build a culture, you know what I mean? And, and sometimes that, that time that you're trying to build that culture and you're trying to put your, your footprint on the team, you know, those years could be ugly. And if the owner GM is not willing to have that patience with you, um, so you to go through that process, it, it'll be tough because now it's like, OK, we're bringing a new coach in and the new coach is trying to do the same thing. You know what I mean? So like when when would the tide change? So to your point, I, I definitely feel like Dan Campbell is like putting his his footprint on this team. Um, it's just a matter of fact where. You know, if they finish below 500 this year, um, I think he I think he'll definitely start the year next year, but it will be a situation where, OK, like how how is the team looking next year come midpoint or you know first i'll say midpoint of the season and then you can make a decision but um it, it's tough it's tough especially when you're getting rid of <laughs> one of your top playmakers on the offensive side of the ball um you're not making it easier uh for the coach man so it, it's tough being a coach in this league man especially if you don't get a job where you know you have a lot of talent on that roster or you know, the front office is going to give you an ample amount of time to do what you need to do. 
and I will say, I will say low key, like we've had a rough schedule. Like if you look mm-hmm. at the, the rot, the, the standings right now. So outside of the two blowouts that to the Cowboys and the Patriots, uh, we lost by three to the Eagles, four to the Vikings, three to the Seahawks and four to the Dolphins. So, I mean, all those are top teams in their respective divisions. I mean, not been an easy, easy road and we've been playing tight. So, yeah, um, you guys have definitely shown signs of improvement. Before we get to the next question, folks, just to reset the scene, uh, live tonight here with Detroit Lions superfan Tone Gordon and uh, former NFL player, Super Bowl champion Antoine Buffet. Uh, once again, thank you so much for being here. Hank, we'll get to your next question. All right, so Tone, this one's definitely for you. But of course, AB, as always, <laughs> you're more than welcome to chime in there as well. Can you give me one player under the radar on each side of the ball for the Detroit Lions? Um, so I mentioned I mentioned my uh, my my offensive guy earlier, uh, mm-hmm. Caleb Raymond. I think he's he's the under the radar guy at been consistently getting targets and consistently like you know pulling in catches. So um, he's actually had um, so so like I said three catches in, in each of the last six games, five catches in two of those. Um, he's had longs in those games of 21, 20, 20, 43, and 21. So he's put up some big plays in those those receptions as well. Um, defensive side of the ball, uh, Kirby Joseph. Um, he uh, he was really the reason why we won the Packers game. I mean, honestly, like uh, three, I think he had three PBUs, um, two interceptions, like 10 tackles. Uh, but he's been consistently getting better in the last like couple weeks as well. So. That's good like stuff, it. Tone. I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a, I'm a ride with Tone on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely good answers, guys. Um, I do want to ask, um, Tone, if you had to steal a player from the Giants, since, since you're a Lions fan, I'm going to ask you this directly, who would it be and why? Um, earlier, I chose Frank Ragnow. Again, I'm a big offensive line guy, and I think he'd, he'd be uh, – you know, an upgrade over John Feliciano, who I think is more of a guard. Uh, but who who would you steal from the Giants? I'm going to uh, – I'll be honest. I, so I was a sort of a, a neutral on this player. And uh, A.B. has made me, like, a fan of his by just, like, talking him up. But uh, Daniel Jones. I would, If I could replace Jared Goff with Daniel Jones, I think – the thing that golf could do to help us more is run the ball. If you mm-hmm. gave us Daniel Jones's running ability, plus he's basically similar in what he can do in the passing game as golf. I think we might have two, three more wins this year. So I, I, I would take Daniel Jones in a heartbeat. Danny dimes. <laughs> we have to ask you now, AB, what's your thoughts on Daniel Jones? You're, you're number four. Um, obviously you were teammates with him for his rookie year. Um, him and Eli in the quarterback room back then. What have you seen from him from year one until now? Uh, what have you liked from him? Man, I think <clears throat> I think Danny Dimes, man, like his rookie year, it, he would when we were in camp, like he would make throws, man. Where I'm like, man, this young fella is putting the ball where only his receivers can can get the ball right. Obviously, from the shoulders up, um, cerebral rise, he has it right. Um, I would say, I think anybody would say, even he would say, like, the, the knock on him was, you know, protecting the ball, right, um, the turnovers. and But 
even with that, you know, he was still playing some solid ball, but the turnovers were in crucial moments, crucial times. And, you know, my thing was like, man, if you can correct this, man, like he's going to be a hell of a player. And this year, you know, having Saquon back, you know, the run game has has opened some things up. You know, you got Darius Slayton, you know, they came in the same year. Um, Darius Slayton is getting involved more, um, you know, Wondell Robinson, man, rookie, man, he's coming out making some plays, man. So, DJ, man, I think sky's the limit for him. He can continue to grow. Um, Coach Dayball, he's come, he, he'll come, he's come in and he's um, catering this offense to his strengths. And I think sky's the limit for him. They need to pay the man. For sure. We all think the same thing. Yes, Sam, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Your your feelings for Daniel Jones and what you're thinking? I I I was I've been a Daniel Jones believer since they picked him six overall in the draft. I I've been stinned by that man for for quite a number of years and been patiently waiting for him to break out because we knew he could and now he finally has the right coaching staff at least and he doesn't even have the right tools on the field to do it and he's doing it. So I agree wholeheartedly. I think that they. He should definitely get a contract by the end of the year. Oh, it goes without saying, but you know, I pretty much <laughs> second that opinion. I mean, yeah. Daniel Jones is pretty much a leader. I mean, look, Tom, we pretty much discussed it earlier, but let me reiterate this once again. When your old coach, who was much maligned had been and had been like thrown under the bus, fairly or not, make no mistake, I don't think that he did a great job during the past two years. And he goes out on the record and says that Daniel Jones deserved a lot better, doesn't throw his ownership under the bus, doesn't throw the previous GM under the bus. All he does is say he believed in Daniel Jones all along. That speaks volumes of how our quarterback is, although it also speaks volumes of the character of said coach. But I digress. You look at a lot of the games the Giants have won, there's no way they're 7-2 without Daniel Jones. Like, Five five cumber behind wins, simply put, does not happen with a quarterback that stinks. Yeah, Hank and Sam, any off-the-book questions you want to ask A.B. or, or Tone here um, before we get into our little uh, game predictions here and wrap this one up? I mean, no more questions, but just both appreciate you guys coming on and, and chatting with us about the NFL and the Lions and everything. It's been It's been great talking to you guys. I got a random question. Can I ask AB a random question? Yeah. AB, is that Giants jersey from a specific game, or is that just uh, behind you? <laughs> is that like oh, a the one on this side? <laughs> I want that. Might be, I think that's from the Cowboys. Uh, Cowboys. The ice dot jerseys where you picked off Dak. Mm-hmm. That's right. I do remember that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I I did see something. I think it was on uh, Wikipedia, possibly that he. Uh, Antoine actually has a forced fumble off of Kenny Galladay when he played for the Lions back in week nine or week eight of 2019. So, oh, yeah, yeah. A fun I saw fact, that right? fun fact. And obviously Kenny Galladay is, I think he's on the Giants. I don't even know. I haven't seen hey, him. Thanks, so. for, thanks for taking that, guys. Thanks for taking that one. Yeah, we, can you take him? You want him back? <laughs> you can have him. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think, A.B., I actually have one for you here. And it's... Question, um, Detroit Lions have one starter on their team that was a teammate of yours in 2019 with the Giants. Do you know who that is? Little trivia question here. Oh, no, you said an offensive guy? 
offensive guy. Yeah, it is an offensive guy. So he'd be one of 11 guys. He played on the Giants in 2019. Not the full season. I think he he got cut and signed with another practice squad, but he starts for the Lions. He's an offensive lineman. Undrafted rookie. I think Tone might know who it is. I'm actually racking my brows trying to figure out. I was like, really? Yeah. It's been a long day, though. But he went to SMU. Why am I? I'm spacing it. I'm Evan, I, I, Evan I Brown. Oh, offensive lineman. Evan Brown. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. He did. I think he's yeah. starting right guard, right? Because yeah, Vitae, yeah, yeah. Vitae's hurt, so he's yeah. filled in. Yeah, awesome. that's awesome. Good question. Um, he's, been, he's been doing good, too. Yeah. Um, AB, I guess one last thing, Sam, Hank, and I all wanted to collaboratively ask you is if um, you can plug in your – I know you do charity work, right? Um, I'm yeah. trying to think. The, the Faye Family Foundation, can you yeah. – explain that and plug that in and what that's about for the listeners who may not know yeah um so 2010 um it was we started off at the safe covers foundation but you know we changed the name to the Bethay family foundation and um you know we focused on continuing education you know um giving the kids um the resources that they lack um to help them you know further their education after high school whether that's a two-year four-year institution or even you know them finding a trade that they like um, and obviously, when I played throughout the league, um, we would help, you know, the respective cities that I played in, whether, you know, um, you know turkey drives, Christmas giveaways or whatever the case may be. Um, but, yeah, now we focus mainly in my hometown that I grew up in, Newport News, Virginia, um, helping the inner city kids. Um, so, you know, we've been doing it for over a decade, man. We love giving back, um, having an impact on, on, on the people in the community, man. So. If you want to make a donation, you go to AntoineBethay.com, um, the Bethay Family Foundation. That's awesome. awesome. We'll definitely and, and, I, and I will say from getting to know Antoine over the over the last couple of years, uh, super genuine dude. Like, you couldn't ask for a more genuine guy. Also, I'm just going to big him up again. Two-time multi-paying man of the year. Just had to. Appreciate it. That's right. <laughs> Two times, too. Wow. That's awesome. Thank you. That's, thank you. Excellent accolades. And, you know, you've been a blast, a, a pleasure to talk to tonight. Um, Hank, Sam, I'll give you final words here. Um, I, I think I can say it on behalf of all of us, but uh, both, both of you guys, it's been awesome. I know, Tony, we've had a relationship for over a year now. That's been awesome. We met you on a draft show and AB tonight. I mean, we're like Giants history buffs. Like, we, we <laughs> love this team in and out. Yeah. And, you know, even though I mean, you played for the Colts for a long time, you know we all love watching the Colts because of that name Manning. And then seeing yeah. you come to the Giants that last year, 2019, was a, a true blessing to have you back there for us. So, no, I appreciate that. Appreciate it, man. I appreciate y'all having me on the show. Yeah, I definitely remember that 06 Colts team very well. That was a great win for you guys in that Super Bowl. Definitely, and I remember even at 10 years old, I was definitely very happy for Peyton Manning to see him getting that first ring. And I remember thinking, Hey, it's only going to be a matter of time before Eli gets one. Now, if you had told me that it would take beating an undefeated Patriots team to get that first, <laughs> ring, I don't know that I would have necessarily believed it at that time, but 
doesn't matter. He got not one, but two rings. And those are two of the greatest sports memories that I don't want to necessarily speak, sound like I'm speaking for Tom and Sam, but those are some of the greatest sports memories that we all have. And def- and I definitely enjoyed watching you play when you were with the Indianapolis Colts too. So AB, I want to thank you for joining and uh, Tone, it was good talking some uh, Detroit Lions with you. And I'm glad I got to ask you about, Dan Campbell, who let's be honest, say what you want about his decision. Like, I just I love that guy. I can't help it. Appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, these guys said it all. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Of course, right. of course. Thanks for having me on Buffet, Tone Gordon, um, Man to Man podcast. Make sure to go check them out. Also, Tone hosts his own podcast called Off the Rails with Tone and Jen. Make sure to go check that out as well, I'll make sure to post the links in the descriptions when we post the YouTube video up later this week. But, gentlemen, once again, thank you so much for your time. The fans and us really appreciate it. And let's go Big Blue. <laughs> thanks thanks right, for having guys. us, guys. Appreciate that. Have a good one. Yes, sir. Yes. That was Tone Gordon Antoine Bethay, ladies and gentlemen. That was the awesome. Super Bowl champion for the Indianapolis Colts, um, former All-Pro. Yeah, it has been very cool. Very cool. A.B. and Tone. Actually, I don't know if A.B. was an All-Pro at any point. I might have to fact check that one. Um, but, yeah, quickly here, um, the – I mean, with, for me at least, um, I, I, I just feel like that might have been the – one of that that's up there for one of the best interviews that we've ever done. Um, so that, that was definitely a pleasure. Um, but time to predict this. Um, Hank, I'll start with you. Who do you got? Week 11. This is going to be a very close game and I'm not going to lie. This game actually scares me more so than the Houston Texans game did because The reason I say this is because at least, you know, the Lions have been competitive in their games for the most part. I think the only really exception would be the New England game. And that was another game where Dan Campbell made a really weird head scratching decision. But that's obviously neither here nor there. I think the Lions are definitely going to make things very interesting. However, ultimately, I'm going to say this is going to be fourth quarter comeback number six. For Daniel Jones, Giants are going to win this one by the skin of their teeth. I'm going to say 27 to 26. It's a good uh-huh. one, Hank. It's a good one. One point. One point. A classic Giant victory is what I'm going to call it. <laughs> I also think that the Giants are going to win this game. It's going to be close. I'm very nervous just about, you know, how well the the Lions have competed, like I said earlier. Um but I'm going to go 28-24 New York Giants. I'm giving them a little bit more leeway than one point. But I, I agree with Hank. I think it's going to be very, very close. Yeah, well, it looks like Evan Neal is on track to play right now, which is good news. Um, he was, I think, limited today um, nice. with the knee injury. But Londell did not practice due to a hamstring. And Daniel Bellinger is likely to be out until at least week 12 with the eye injury. Um so with that being said, I have the Giants winning this game, but again, 
I'm only picking the Giants because obviously they're the better football team and they've been winning games against these types of teams all, all year long. So it's hard to go against that grain at this time. But I think the Lions are going to score points. I think they're going to score 23 to be exact. I think the Giants score 26, though. 26-23, my final score. Um, big blue. Yeah. So that, nice. that's pretty much going to wrap it up. Um, folks, really appreciate you all tuning in tonight with the comments. Adam Rothschild, Larry Johnson, Adam Perdomo, Garth Michael Patrick, Kelly Duncan, Brian McArdle. Mike DeSanto, you name it. Um, ben Cruz as well. I mean, this has been a blast, an absolute blast. Um, Sam Hank, any final thoughts before we wrap this one up? I this, think we said it all. This was a lot of fun, man. Like, I, I knew one day we were going to get a former Giant. However, I did not think that would happen in year three of the existence of this podcast. So that was very cool to get some insight and hear some takes from a former NFL player. And of course, of course, Tone Gordon also did an excellent job in sharing his opinions on his beloved Detroit lions. And, but most importantly, as usual, Tom and Sam, I had a blast once again, doing this show with you guys. And as usual, I'm looking forward to next week. And by the way, as a matter of fact, I just bought my ticket for Sunday, so I am super hyped up. Let's go. Have fun, Hank. I'll be watching from home. Um, Will do. Will do. Forward. Hopefully, you bring us some good luck. Um, on behalf of Antoine Bethay, Tone Gordon, Sam Cardona, Hank and Dictor, I'm Tom Scavetta saying good night. Without further ado, let's go Big Blue.